shit don't take no lip. Chew tobacco, chew tobacco, chew tobacco, spit. Oh, heck. Good morning and welcome to episode 481 of Effectively What? Not, not a week off. Close. 486, 476. There you go. 476? Yep. Of Effectively Wild, the <laughs> daily podcast from BaseballPerspectives.com, presented by the Play Index at Baseball Reference. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Ben, how are you? Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, so how are you? <laughs> uh, I spent most of the weekend on Megabus. But I don't know what that is. You mentioned that. What is, is a, that like what, what a, you take to Syracuse or something? Yeah, it's a regional bus line. It goes from New York to everywhere up and down the eastern seaboard so i was in dc for the bp events and so those were fun on the times when i wasn't on the bus they isn't were good and a, isn't there a train that people take yeah there is you didn't like the train trying to be economical i regret it what's the price difference uh it's pretty substantial the bus is like 20 dollars, and the train is like 80 or something mm-hmm. but <laughs> uh yeah, just trying to be a good company man. Mm-hmm. Save, save BP some money. But I, I see. I paid the price. Uh-huh. But the the events were fun, and uh, it was nice meeting all of you who said hello, all the listeners who were there. Fun. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, I have a couple things real quick. Okay. Uh, Koji Uehara, I don't know if you saw this, uh, mm-hmm. today allowed two solo home runs. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, which... Um, is now five homers and five runs this <laughs> yeah. year. Um, and I don't remember exactly what the records were that we discussed, but mm-hmm. I mean, certainly it's a couple of bullets dodged. It gets him a little closer to the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the, I mean, he's he's way past the record for uh, you know for a year for a single season, but he has to to maintain that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, as I recall, he he's uh, he you know he, he obviously didn't get any any closer to Tom Seaver's streak. Uh, mm-hmm. Of innings, but um, what it was seven homers, I think, was the most yes. somebody had had. So he's now five homers, five runs. So uh, interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something to root for. And mm-hmm. uh, also in reliever news, uh, Sean Doolittle batted for the A's. And so uh, Brady Childs asked me, Brady Child asked me, I think Child. I think Childs. Childs, all right. Brady Childs asked me uh, uh, when the last time a, a relief pitcher had homered. The answer is not very exciting. It's 2010. A lot of relief pitchers have homered. Um, about two a year homer, in fact, uh, <laughs> usually. But um, those, of course, are national leaguers. And so I learned today, in looking further, that there has never been a reliever who homered in an AL on AL game in the post DH era. Uh-huh. Uh So that's kind of interesting, uh, uh, sorta. Mm-hmm. So that that could have happened, for instance, today with Sean Doolittle. It didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, what did I, he do? What did he do? I don't know. Mm. I had one of you know I had one of those weekends where I had to file something for ESPN the magazine this weekend, and so uh-huh. it was one of those weekends where I was completely consumed with with baseball, but none of it was happening. Like yeah. I was stressed and anxious and couldn't think of anything else, and was a horrible husband and an even <laughs> worse father. Um, but like not one baseball event happened in front of my eyes mm-hmm. uh, so i managed to pick up the uahara thing uh, via twitter and the Doolittle thing but otherwise i know nothing so 
Well, speaking uh, of relievers and speaking of Brady Childs, Brady posted a video in the Facebook group of the Webb Albers race getting a shout out on Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, I, I saw that. Oh, I didn't see that. I haven't heard it yet. I, I have to go back uh-huh. to it. But uh, yeah, our <laughs> Michael uh, K cited the the eighty three games finished without a save and the tie between Webb and Albers. Well, while I guess Webb was warming up maybe on Saturday. Yeah, so. well, James James Smith, uh, I assume it's pronounced Smith, uh, is a friend of the show, and he is also the uh, booth statistician for the Yes Network. So ah. he, mm-hmm. he's the one who got the Ichiro reverse split on the air um, mm-hmm. a month a month or so ago, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he recognized the historical importance of Ryan Webb entering a game. Unfortunately, Webb was entering in the I think in the sixth, so there was no chance of either a game finished or a save. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so, it, you know, the, I, there wasn't quite as much tension around it as there might have been uh, if he had lucked into a, uh, you know, uh, a rare ninth inning appearance or a not so rare ninth inning appearance from Webb. But all the same, it is exciting. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, and I, I have a, uh, I have a, I, I, I sort of feel like I have an emotionless tone in my voice right now. Uh, but that's just because I'm fried from the, from the entire weekend. I actually am genuinely thrilled uh, about that. That was, uh, I might might be the highlight of the podcast <laughs> having having the Web Albers record uh-huh. mentioned on a real broadcast is is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it was a good weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, all right, so I want to talk about three things that are all the same thing today. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about paternalism or whatever you want to call it. I mentioned uh, on the Tony Gwynn episode a week ago. Uh, that there's something about baseball that brings out the urge to, um, you know, tell players what to do and to take care of them. Like, like we all become mothers and uh, fathers to these guys in a way, and we uh, we we get very insistent that that anything that might hurt them is is legislated away. Or uh, the other way, uh, a lot of people are the exact opposite. They are the uh, the younger brother to these players, and they want to see them get hurt, and they think that if you do anything to uh, restrict their ability to hurt each other or get hurt, uh, that you are babying them. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to talk about three instances of, of Major League Baseball uh, take, uh, looking out for their players uh, or you know, potentially looking out for their players and find out what your take is on, on each of those three and whether you think that baseball has a role. You mm-hmm. ready for that? You game? Sure. All right. So the first one is chewing tobacco. Um, we didn't talk much about it. We talked very briefly about it um, in regards to Tony Gwynn, but there's been, you know, people have written columns since then uh, about how it's, you know, time for baseball to, to outlaw it, and Tony Gwynn's death makes that uh, clearer than ever. Um, and in general, it does feel like a, a sort of strange relic of a previous time, even though it has never gone anywhere. Uh, you know, it, unlike for instance, facial hair. It didn't disappear for 30 years and then come back as vintage. It has always been there. And yet it still feels like something that you would think uh, was would have been left in the 80s. Um, but it, it hasn't. And um, as we talked about, a, a trainer had estimated to me that half of the players roughly are using chewing tobacco and that there's been, a, a it seems to him, an, an increase uh, as a replacement for maybe amphetamines or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... What do you feel? Uh, how do you feel about that? Is this is it um, sig- uh, is it um, weird enough 
to see people chewing tobacco uh, that you would want something done about it? Is it uh, something that, you know, you know where I'm going. I don't need to yeah. phrase the question. <laughs> you know the question. Right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I wouldn't even necessarily notice what people were chewing. I mean, I don't know that I would notice the difference between a guy who's chewing tobacco and a guy who's chewing gum and a guy who's chewing sunflower seeds when I'm when I'm watching on TV. I don't I don't really pay that much attention to that or notice who's chewing what, you know, yeah. unless it's like one of those shots where some guy's doing something weird and just like what was that that gif you made once, right, where Lincecum was like spraying sunflower seeds or something? That's that, not that was not me. That's someone a, made that. that's it. That's a classic uh, uh-huh. okay. John Boyce uh, gift uh, of the gift of the year right. challenger. So Might be the greatest gift of all time. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. So, so I don't know. I because the argument that always comes up is the the children argument. Think of the children and Major League Baseball players are role models, and children model their behavior on Major League Baseball players. And you don't want to don't want to encourage kids to be doing something that causes cancer and uh, you know i i guess i i'm i'm i don't know i have mixed feelings about banning things that are not threats to other people you know mm-hmm. where it's just like i live in new york and the the whole banning sugary drinks movement uh, you know i wouldn't i wouldn't miss sugary drinks gigantic sized sugary drinks myself uh, i don't know i can i kind of see it both ways and and i'm not sure where i come down on that as for the for chewing tobacco i guess i don't know it's it would be it would be good for everyone i suppose if it were gone um so you know people would just chew other stuff and they'd probably be probably be just as happy chewing that stuff and not getting cancer ultimately and not persuading anyone else to do it and so i don't know i'm I'm reluctant to say that that they should be banned from doing it because, as you said, they are adults and it doesn't hurt anyone else and it's not an immediate threat to them. But if they if they were to make the decision to stop doing it on their own, that would be that would be wise. I would not be sorry to see it go. Yeah, but I mean, nobody, for instance, like let's say that the average ball player chews you know tobacco for three hours a day uh, during the game. Uh, if you outlawed it in games and then they went home and chewed it for three hours a game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a day at home, you know, from like nine to midnight. Right. It's unlikely that there would be calls to, 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 to ban that, you know, right. it's, it's unlikely that, that they would, that anybody would say that major league baseball had a compelling reason to keep ball players from chewing tobacco away from the field. So, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so presumably the only reason to to do it, the only justifiable reason to do it, would not be the player's health, mm-hmm. player's well-being, uh, but the message that it sends about mm-hmm. people on the field and the product on the field. Yeah, I, I think I, I think that I generally like I can see why that would be a worthwhile thing for Major League Baseball to de- to decide to do, mm-hmm. and if they did it, especially if they did it sort of for financial reasons, uh, that would. That seems like it would basically be within their rights, uh, and I wouldn't be that upset about it. Nope. Uh, but generally, if you outlaw a you know a vice, you don't make people's hearts any better. You know, mm-hmm. so to me, there's like there's something about um, you know pretending that these guys are you know any better than they are, 
that um, kind of insults all of us as adults. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. you know, the, it's not like you, you you're just not really changing anything. There's no there's no change in the kind of moral balance of the universe mm-hmm. by getting rid of it. And so you know, you're worried that kids might do it. I guess that that's. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd want to see some sort of data on that, I guess. Like if kids say that they're influenced by, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, all the baseball players who chew tobacco today probably picked it up from a previous generation of baseball players, right? It's not something yeah. that, that non-baseball players do, so... Right, Clear, they're not clearly constantly it's... reinventing what it means to be a ball player. This <laughs> right. is a this so is a na- this is a story that's been being told among ball players for 150 years, and they're just yeah. sort of carrying it on. Yeah, so it I mean, so it clearly is being passed that's on. That's true. I don't yeah. know whether it's being passed on to a lot of non-major league baseball players, but um, but I I mean <laughs> I don't I don't know, but but yes, I mean I guess just the fact that people are still doing it is evidence that it influences other people to do it. So. Yeah, you're right though that it, that when I'm watching, I don't know what's in the guy's cheek. Right. And I, I see enough guys chewing gum and sunflower seeds that uh, I I until until I was told the fifty percent number, I had, was sort of under the impression that it, it was at an all time low because yeah, baseball is mm-hmm. baseball has made it you know uh, against the rules to display or to to show it to take the you know to have the visible tin, uh, for instance. And so I thought that nobody was really doing it anymore. I mean, I knew some people were, but I thought it was a lot less common. Um, but I guess even though that's probably, you know, even though probably most of us don't see it a lot, we, most of the games we watch, we don't notice it. Um, you do, there is enough knowledge that tobacco is in, in the game that, mm-hmm. um, you're aware that ball players do it. You're aware it's part of the culture. When you do see a stuffed cheek, you might not know whether it's gum or sunflower seeds or chew, but you do know it could be chew. Mm-hmm. And uh, whereas, um, if it were outlawed, it, it after you know you would quickly forget even about the possibility. So mm-hmm. uh, it's like it's like every time you see a stuffed cheek, it's like one third of an advertisement for chew. <laughs> and if, and if it if it were outlawed, it would be a zero zero thirds. Mm-hmm. So uh, is that a good enough good enough reason? Compelling reason? I guess. I mean, maybe it is. Yeah, I wouldn't. I I think I probably would be if I were. Look, as a I it, I probably don't care all that much where I am right now. Um, I don't, um, it doesn't personally affect me. Uh, it doesn't affect my child and it probably never will. And so for sort of being, you know, uh, kind of self-obsessed, uh, I don't have a, a real strong opinion. I think if I worked in the commissioner's office, if I worked in uh, the office that, that manages things like this, I think I probably would be pushing to get rid of it. It seems mm-hmm. like, it seems like a pretty easy thing to, to, to be in favor of getting rid of. So I'm mm-hmm. going to say pro outlaw tobacco. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, all right. So, so there we go. So there's one. Mm-hmm. All right. Number two, funny Alex Torres hat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Alex Torres was the first pitcher to wear this protective hat. It looked, uh, I mean, it looked silly. It looked silly, but it looked silly in the same way that uh, I think that, you know, do you remember when you would have friends who skateboarded and they'd have a hat that was like a half hat, half helmet? I had no friends who skateboarded, uh, well, as far it, as I know. <laughs> it looked silly, except those were your cool friends. Uh-huh. And so, because they were your cool friends, you you didn't think of it as silly. You thought of them as you know, you thought of it as cool because the skaters were wearing it. Um, and Alex Torres is undeniably cool. Mm-hmm. So, I, while it looked silly, I thought it kind of looked good too. 
but definitely silly. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, you know, there's no there's no legislation forcing anybody to wear this. He's he did it voluntarily. He's the first person to do it voluntarily. I think that's really you know great of him mm-hmm. and uh, huzzah to him. I, I will like him more now, forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's say it works great, and he says at the end of the year, I love it. Uh, no, no distraction at all. I uh, pitched as well as ever, and it kept me safe. Uh, and baseball decides, well, we want to keep everybody safe from line drives, and made it mandatory. Mm. Uh, pro or con? Uh, probably pro. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would guess that the way it will go is the way it went with the giant batting helmets, which is that they will shrink and they will soon look like normal batting helmets so when i was gonna ask you about that yes yeah, so so is that what happened with those is, is, are they all wearing yes, yes they're they all wearing the all david wearing wright helmet the, right the now protective equivalent it. of the the david wright great kazoo helmet that he was sort of peer pressured into not using anymore because it, it looked kind of kind of ridiculous but it was safe and he he was probably smart to wear it and and then yeah so then it it went away for a few years and then it came back in a normal batting helmet shaped <laughs> helmet and uh, with the same protective qualities. So whatever whatever they did in the design manufacturing process to, to make it retain the protective powers and yet shrink down to the size of the batting helmets we're used to, they did. And it was made mandatory and embraced by everyone. And I would imagine that something similar will happen here that a few years from now, I mean, clearly these these protective caps have not caught on. Uh, he is the first person to use it now in late June. Brandon McCarthy, who was closely involved with the the process of getting them certified and designing them, rejected them himself for being too uncomfortable and distracting. So yes, I would I would imagine that that the same thing will happen. So I guess the question is, uh, should should they mandate it now while it does still look big while well, conceivably, it could be a distraction. I mean, Torres said it it doesn't feel bad. The difference between the regular hat and this hat is not that big. But I don't know, maybe maybe another pitcher could feel differently and and choose to take that risk. So I, I guess if it is still conceivably such a distraction that it could really impact your performance in a way, I mean, if you have millions of dollars riding on how well you pitch and you say that that this thing impairs your pitching. I'm sort of sympathetic to that at the same time. I'm sure there were people who said the same thing about batting helmets and every oh, other course, protective yeah. measure that's ever been introduced. And yeah. and it's a good thing that those things were introduced. If someone came along today and said, I think batting helmets are uncomfortable and I play better without one, then you, you wouldn't want him to be able to do that. I'd be okay with not letting him do that. So it's the same same sort of principle, really. So to be consistent about it, if the thing is really protective and it's possible to play with it, then, then yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I, I agree. To me, looking funny is not a compelling reason to not wear something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to know. I would feel uh, like a real dope telling a major leaguer who said it was uncomfortable and was hurting his performance that it was not uncomfortable and hurting his performance. Like I, I would yeah. think that would be a thing he would know better than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, you're right. Every, every protective piece of protective gear in sports history 
has almost certainly uh, drawn the exact same complaints. Um, and I don't know if those complaints are nonsense and uh, uh, that they're just all psychosomatic mm-hmm. or whether they are legitimate but you get used to it or they're legitimate and by complaining they uh, spur development of, of ever better equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, I mean, this seems like clearly something where it is on the field of play um, and it is in, it is related to the field of play. It is not like chewing tobacco where it's on the field of play but not related to it yeah. in any way. This is, you know, it seems clearly within Major League Baseball's purview uh, to, you know, monitor, particularly as it's head injuries that we're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, head injuries that result directly from play itself. Um, so I would have, uh, you know, I, I think that would be one that would be a pretty easy case to make that MLB should step in. Now, that's presuming that um, they have, you know, reason to believe that this would not be a distraction Mm-hmm. for the performance and they're reasonably that it would not you know make pitchers change the way that they pitch um but if they didn't yeah i'd be all in favor of everybody wearing a funny hat imagine how funny helmets looked mm-hmm. at first because mm-hmm. to go from non-helmet to helmet is a much bigger leap than to go from hat to uh slightly askew slightly uh bulky hat mm-hmm. um I bet we would have made fun of a lot of people uh, mm-hmm. in 1956 or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and now helmets are super cool. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially Jason Hayward's. I wear a helmet to the club. <laughs> That's how cool they are. Cool. Yeah. Is that like, it's like a, a full full head helmet. Uh, sometimes I wear the, uh, sometimes I wear a helmet that's a little too big for me and then I have to wear my hat underneath it, my cap underneath it, <laughs> mm-hmm. so it doesn't rattle around too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I do that. Sometimes I'll just wear the Jaeger mask. Uh-huh. Uh, not the, not the full catcher's mask, just the Jaeger. Uh-huh. Well, it's a good look. Safety first. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right. Last one, Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, Major League Baseball has a committee, um, that, is going to be meeting in July uh, to research causes and, and causes and solutions to the uh, you know to the basically to the elbow injury epidemic, mm. um, and it's going to be uh, I believe under the medical offices uh, aegis, and they'll have you know they'll be able to to really take research in a in some really interesting ways that haven't been done yet. I think there's it's probable that there's going to be some. Uh, some really interesting findings from this, and we'll learn a lot over the next few years. Mm-hmm. And so that sounds great. Uh, but I'm just wondering whether you think that uh, pitcher health is actually something that is good or bad uh, for the league as a whole to study collectively, as opposed mm-hmm. to taking it out of the kind of competitive sphere where all 30 teams uh, are mm-hmm. um, able to differentiate themselves mm-hmm. from the others on pitcher health. I mean, is there, I guess what I'm saying is, is there actually a common good or a common bad to mm-hmm. Tommy John surgeries, or are injuries a part of the game no different than you know triples and doubles and stolen bases and pitch outs? I think it's I think it's gotten to the point where it really significantly um, significantly you know it, it's it's a detriment to the game. I think uh, the fact that that so many pitchers get hurt that we can. Never really count on any pitcher continuing to stay healthy. 
seems to me like something that that it makes sense for Major League Baseball to kind of lead the charge in. And, and I can see why if you were if you were one team that I mean, we talked to Stan Conti about this and we asked him how he balances that that need to share information and contribute to the, the wealth of common information with the, the need to give the Dodgers an edge as a Dodgers employee. And he seemed to say, at least at least this is what he told us, that he sort of puts the puts the players health first and that everyone kind of puts the players health first. And I don't know. I mean, if one team cracks the code and figures out how to prevent elbow injuries, then I could see why if you were that one team, you might you might say, well, we were clever and we put more money into this or we hired better or more people to study it. And so we we deserve to reap the rewards for a while and be the only team that has healthy pitchers. But if you're Major League Baseball, then you you want all the pitchers to stay healthy, right? You want the, the highest level of play on the field. You want stars. You want people like Jose Fernandez not to get hurt when they're becoming one of the faces of the game. You want people not to be worried about a guy just experiencing pain and breaking down every time he throws a pitch. They want you to enjoy the game and not not worry about the injuries. So it I, seems to me, I mean, it's not a it's not a life threatening issue, which is, I guess, distinguishes it, distinguishes it from the protective headgear, from the possibility of getting hit in the head and and seriously hurt or or getting cancer from the chewing tobacco. It's it's more of a it's a, you know it affects your ability to pitch, but not necessarily your quality of life otherwise. But it seems to me that it's a it's a big enough threat to the game, big enough issue in the game. Even just just the coverage is negative. There's been so much written about it. It's been one of the biggest storylines of this season, which has been an exciting season in many, many respects. And yet elbow injuries are are one of the dominant stories that we've heard this year. So it seems to me that it's in the league's best interest and maybe in every team's best interest to to just remove that from the conversation. Those are, uh, I would say those are a lot of speculative statements that you just made, though. I mean, do you think that anybody has not bought a ticket this year because there's been negative coverage or, I guess, because there's been a lot of coverage of, of Tommy John injuries? I mean, I could see, I could see you could maybe say that, um, you know, that the Marlins, for instance, don't get the Jose Fernandez bump on mm-hmm. days that Jose Fernandez would have pitched. But I would imagine that just as, you know, you know how when they say that, uh, you know, there's, uh, oh, we're going to have the Olympics here. It's going to create $100 billion. <laughs> right. And really, that's, that's just displacement. You're just taking money from other, you know, other entertainment industries, movie theaters and, and bars and bowling alleys and things like that. Because uh, people basically spend the same amount of money on uh, recreation and entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're just moving it around. It doesn't actually create anything in the economy. And so in the same way, so you take Jose Fernandez out of the league this year. And sure, Jose Fernandez is not there to to sell tickets, but um, you know, like uh, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a player who's a draw. But so, like Andrew McCutcheon doesn't have to face Jose Fernandez. So Andrew mm-hmm. McCutcheon's numbers are slightly better this year because mm-hmm. he doesn't have to face Jose Fernandez. And so you know, he looks a little better. And and you know, uh, some other pitcher gets a chance. I don't know. I don't know. It, it just feels to me that losing. If you if you lopped off a third of the league's pitchers, which is what we've done, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a third, but you know half are going to be on the DL this year, and you know maybe it is a third. Maybe at any 
given point a third of the pitchers <laughs> are injured. I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. Uh, if you, but if you lopped off, say, an eighth or whatever of the league's pitchers, and you just didn't tell us mm-hmm. that that you had done it, like we all closed our eyes and spun around, and then they were all gone, we wouldn't notice, right? The, the quality of play would not be um, like like the quality of play that we're used to is what we think of as the highest. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not like people in the '40s were like, "Boy, the quality of play sure sucks." <laughs> Right. Uh, they thought it was the best in the world, and it was mm-hmm. the best in the world. And and as it gets better and better, that's the best in the world. And what we're seeing right now is pretty sucky by twenty eighty five standards, probably. Mm-hmm. And we don't really care. So, to me, the idea that the quality of play has gone down it doesn't convince me because it's it's totally unnoticeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that certain players are missing, I would imagine, is a extremely small uh, driver of economic activity related to MLB. Um, and the, 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 the press about it doesn't seem to be very compelling. I don't, I don't, I don't know why anybody who's thinking of going to a game this weekend would stop going because, you know, 400 miles away in some other city, Patrick Corbin got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing that I think might be compelling is that if the strategy of the game has to change significantly, uh, because of this, if I mean, for instance, if Steven Strasburg is not allowed to pitch, if if pitchers are, uh, you know, and that's that that one summer, the Strasburg summer, mm-hmm. if pitchers, if you know, pitchers are pulled from games in a way that is kind of aesthetically um, uh, objectionable to fans who want to see pitchers go deep in the game and are used to pitchers going deeper in the game, that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I could see maybe that would make the game less enjoyable and mm-hmm. that could hurt the game. But I would think even that's a pretty small thing. So. I am. I'm not convinced that there's really any financial um, case for Major League Baseball to care about Tommy Jones, other than the fact that they're paying these guys. But the league as a whole, I mean, that's they have money. That's that money is essentially a a strategy weapon in this mm-hmm. sport. Um, and you know, they have the money to play these pay these players. If they didn't have the money, they they wouldn't. It would. They would probably start spending a lot less money on pitchers, but they can afford to pay injured players. Um, so I don't know that I'm. I, it's weird because I mean, clearly from a health of the sport perspective for all of us, it's uh, you know we would prefer. I think basically we would prefer pitchers to be healthy. We're not mm-hmm. happy when pitchers get hurt, but I don't know what the the case is philosophically that these thirty clubs should be collaborating on this. I don't know what the White Sox get out of this. And I didn't pick the White Sox because they're uh, they stand out on medical stuff. I could have picked any team, but I don't get what any of these teams feel like they're getting out of this. Other than I guess maybe they feel like the other teams are subsidizing the research so they don't have to. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, they're you know they're paying a thirtieth of it. So yeah, I don't really know what these teams feel like they're getting out of it. It feels sort of it feels like an odd thing for them to collaborate on it. If it and like you said, if it were health, if it were head injuries, if it were anything that right. affected quality of life, I would say absolutely. I mean, you have mm-hmm. to protect your employees, but um, this is the the ligament, the the UCL is like a piece of baseball equipment. It mm-hmm. it um, uh, you know it matters for the competitiveness of the game and, and virtually nothing else. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe that's maybe it is just about the employees. You don't want to have employees feeling like they're their livelihood is insecure and that they that the league doesn't care about the fact that so many of their careers end early because of this mm-hmm. maybe what you maybe what this is is actually just 
saying, you know, looking into Daniel Hudson's eyes and feeling his infinite sadness and saying, <laughs> we can't let this happen to another Daniel Hudson. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I can see that. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm pro-study on the Daniel Hudson humanitarianism uh-huh. uh, argument. So, yeah, yeah. okay. There's yeah, kind you, of, yeah, there's an ethical me, case, Daniel Hudson. kind of. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think there is an ethical case from the employee's perspective. Yeah, all right, fair mm-hmm. enough. I'm pro. Okay, so we're, right. so we're pretty much pro everything. Yeah, we are. We're just paternalistic, just like everyone else. Big government baseball fans. <laughs> yep. Okay. So please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. Go to baseballreference.com. Subscribe to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. Please send us emails for this week's listener email show at podcast at baseballperspectus.com, and we'll be back tomorrow.